one of the most powerful opportunities in the United States. <clears throat> and when I say opportunity, it doesn't, doesn't seem like an opportunity until you absolutely need it. And that is that according to our Constitution and our Bill of Rights, we are innocent until proven guilty. Meaning all of the things that you might have done can't be held against you until it's proven that you've done something wrong. What you've thought, what you've considered, what you've pondered, maybe even what you've verbalized as an idea that's gone through your head, but you haven't really processed it or even actually done anything about it. All of those are, well, maybe they're not good ideas. Maybe they're dangerous ideas. Maybe they're downright criminal ideas. But the idea itself isn't the crime. It's acting on that idea. Now, as leaders, one of our roles, and I, I know not everybody sees this, but one of our roles as leaders is justice. Meaning, we've got to stand up for what's right and stand up to make sure that what's wrong is acknowledged. And that's a hard role in today's society. Today, I want to talk a little bit about an interrogation technique known as the Reed Technique. If you've never done any research on this, I recommend that you do. But I, I want to talk about that today as a leadership aspect. Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five-minute videos, five days a week. The read technique is a technique created for law enforcement. Now, it's used by everybody from IRS auditors to, you know, the supervisors in certain fields of profession where they might need to interrogate or at least investigate behavior of people within their team. It's also used by law enforcement from the time they pull you over on the side of the road for speeding or failure to use your turn signal or I thought it looked like your inspection sticker or your registration sticker was out of date. Any one of those things. And now they can begin to apply this technique and follow it down a path that leads to your admission of guilt or your confession, depending on the seriousness of the infraction. Now, the scary part to me about this technique is that this technique is designed to cause the person who's being interviewed and then transitioning from interview into interrogation. It's, it's designed to cause them to say things that implicate themselves into a crime. Now, the Fifth Amendment of the United States is specifically designed to say, I have the right to remain silent. I have the right to say absolutely nothing that would unintentionally incriminate me. And yet, in the read technique, there's actually a designed process of rapport building that allows the investigator to cause the person to waive that right unintentionally. They might say subtle little things like, well, it, it seems like we're having a good solid conversation here. I, I just want to tie up some loose ends, maybe, you know, finish out my report and, and then we'll be all done here and, and perhaps we'll be free to go. Okay. If that sentence comes up in your conversation, they're about to move into some more determinate investigative procedures to lay guilt at your feet. <clears throat> the challenge is because they haven't heard the words you're under arrest or you've been suspected of this crime or we believe you to be guilty of this crime, most people just go on with the interview. They go on with the question answering. They fill in the blanks. They fill in some blanks that maybe, I don't know, they weren't even there. But they can fill in some blanks from basic knowledge. And see, the challenge is that allows the investigator, the interviewer, to continue the process when you have a right to say nothing. 
Now, where am I getting at with this as a leader? See, the, the challenge that we see in a lot of today's society is that there's a lot of guilt or innocence placed on your ideas alone. There's a, a presumption that if you thought this, then you'll also do this. And that's not always true. Some people think through things legitimately. And by that, I mean, they process the consequences. They process the concepts. They process the ideas. They think, well, my knee-jerk reaction is to punch you in your nose. But I wouldn't really do that because, I don't know, I've never really punched anybody in the nose. And, and that's not my style. And I may get loud, but no, I, w- I would never do that. Does it mean I didn't think about it? No, it doesn't mean I didn't think about it. It means I didn't do it. I have enough sense not to act on it. See, the challenge with this read technique is that it presumes that you're guilty. In fact, one of the steps in the technique is to refuse to listen to the denial of the accused. Let that sink in for a minute. One of the steps in the read technique is to refuse to listen to the denials of the accused. So you may actually be guilty. You may actually have done something wrong, but you protect yourself in your silence. You may also be perfectly innocent. In fact, one of the studies that I watched in doing this research of my own, uh, there was a man at his own birthday party who was eventually convicted of a crime and spent 17 years in prison for a crime that later there was significant evidence that he didn't commit, but he had a confession. And that confession meant he spent 17 years of a 20-year sentence in prison for a crime that all the evidence proves he didn't commit, but he confessed to. Why did he confess? Because the interrogation technique is so solid in its psychology, in its use and manipulation of the way that the average human thinks. And that process alone is being used by our media. Let that one settle in for a minute. The idea that there are certain people who have, they're guilty because we say they're guilty. They're guilty because we don't like their ideas. They're guilty because, well, because they associate with so-and-so or they've been in such and such a place or they've done such and such a thing in their past. That makes them guilty. Therefore, when we interview them, their interview will basically be an interrogation. And we're coming at this with, A, the presumption that they're guilty because we don't like something they said or did in the past, and B, we will not give them the opportunity to deny. Their denial will never be heard. And if it is, it will not be justified. It will be mocked, it will be laughed at, it will be talked over. My friends, that by itself is a miscarriage of justice. But if you think I'm kidding, just go back and look at some of the recent media interrogations, interviews, all across the board, various levels of celebrities, local personalities, major personalities globally. And you will find that from social media to major media, interview processes have become more interrogatory, more interrogation than they have just been interview. And if you think, like the old adage says, I got nothing to hide, so why would I lie? You may not think you have anything to hide because you believe that what you've done is right. But like I mentioned in a podcast a few weeks ago, things that you believe are right are judged by others to be wrong. 
And since we've lost a baseline of absolutes, all they've got to do is catch you agreeing with yourself that what you did was right, while it's a disagreement that they believe is wrong. And suddenly you'll find yourself on the wrong side of the interrogation, the wrong side of the interview. As leaders, part of our role is to make sure that we are definitive about what we know to be right and wrong, what we know to be just and unjust. As leaders, it is our role to hold that baseline. Somebody has to. And if the law enforcement can use what they call the false evidence ploy, if the interrogator, if the investigator, if the interviewer can throw out evidence that they know not to be true, in the process of causing you to confess to something that you're not guilty of, then how much more someone who has no legal ramifications for lying? How much more can they throw something out there, whether it's the media, a job interview, a potential hire, how much more can they throw out what they know to be false evidence just to get you to confess to or to say something that will later incriminate you for their own advantage? Oh yeah, we see it all the time. We see it in the media. We see it in what we consider to be just a standard interview, but becomes an interrogation. And they use the false evidence ploy in order to get you to say or to do something that incriminates you later. I challenge you as leaders, when you're using interview skills and interview techniques, when you're reading people's body language, when you're asking the questions that lead them to answer, and we've all taken the psychological profile test for, for job applications where they ask the same question five or six times and the reason they're asking it different ways or under different scenarios is to see how honest you are. If you're the leader employing those kind of techniques, please be sure that you have the integrity to know what a baseline truth is, to know what the baseline of justice versus injustice is. And as a leader, if you're employing these techniques, do that with integrity of your own. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I believe there's an enormous difference between knowledge and education, between information and education. See, there's a, there's a lot of imparting of wisdom, imparting of knowledge, and even intaking of information that's not exactly education, uh, at least by the meaning of the term education. There's a whole lot of even propaganda and indoctrination and manipulation of understanding that is not education at least not by the real meaning of the word education. And this leads to the ability to ambiguously use words that have a specific meaning, that have a specific targeted outcome, and yet because they're not used that way, the expectation of the outcome is changed. Let me, let me use the word coach. While you're thinking about the word coach, I want you to ask yourself, what is a coach? When do I need one? What would I use them for? And should I be paying them or not? Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five minute videos, five days a week. I saw a Facebook post yesterday and, and it caused me to engage my mind back to almost 10 years ago when I got certified as a John Maxwell leadership coach. 
And one of the things that I learned in that process was in order to be informed, educated, in the know, uh, to have deeper understanding, to have a greater awareness, it takes commitment. It's an investment, not only of your brain cells and your mind and your heart and your time, but generally of finances as well. Because most people who've acquired that level of knowledge, that level of understanding, that level of education, if you will, uh, generally don't waste their time just randomly throwing it out into the crowd for people to choose to use or not. In fact, most people who are engaged in the process of education and training and certifications and licensing and things of that nature, they get paid really well for what they do because they've spent so much time filling their mind, their hearts, and their lives with the understanding, both from a book sense and a practical application sense, of what it is that they're talking about. Now, one of the questions around the concept of coaching comes to the question of, should a coach be free or not? And, and here's where the distinction comes in. I think the challenge for a lot of people is that the terms have been used interchangeably between a coach and a life coach, a coach and a professional coach, a coach and a mentor or a therapist or a counselor or a pastor or a teacher. And I honestly have to say, when I went into the concept of coaching as a person to become a coach, one of the things that struck me was that differentiation between the different categories of providing help for someone else to move from where they are to the next place. And the distinction in my moment of awareness, when it came to me that there really is a distinction, it was a huge revelation for me. It was an understanding that I thought I had that I could have told you the difference between these various things. But when Christian Simpson, who is a world-renowned coach, uh, part of the International uh, Coaching Federation from way back when, even before the IFC became its own entity, he was a part of that worldwide group of coaches, uh, from what I understand. Now, he doesn't hold a specific title or certification with them, but he's been coaching longer than that and has been really busy in the world of coaching and seeing success in people's businesses and the change in their lives. So I, I challenge you just to Google Christian Simpson coach and find it. There, he's actually launching a new program at the first of the year that's absolutely free. You can get involved in it. But Christian made a really, really clear uh, line of demarcation between coach, mentor, teacher, pastor, and counselor. And with a single sentence or two, uh, laid out some presuppositions that made a drastic difference for me. Now, before I lay those out for you to the best of my memory, so I'm going to paraphrase them the way that I've adopted them. They may not be exactly the way that Christian teaches it. So if you are a John Maxwell certified coach and you've heard this, feel free to lay out the correction in the comments. And I mean that honestly. I'm not looking for somebody to, to lambast me who has their own opinion. I'm talking about other certified coaches, other John Maxwell coaches who've heard Christian say this. If I say it wrong, please correct me and put it in the comments. But before I say that, I want to say this. There are a lot of people who have their own pre-existing conditions and their own mind, their own thoughts, their own this is what I think opinion that has no basis in fact, no basis in education, no basis in actual history or learning, just an opinion. And their opinion alone has been 
so deeply impressed upon them because it's been reiterated and never challenged that their opinion has become a belief system and that belief system drives them to the way that they understand. And that understanding is based on a false belief system based on a, a corrupt opinion. And by corrupt, I don't mean that it's necessarily negative or illegal or anything like that. I only mean that it's an opinion based without all the facts involved. And that opinion then causes someone to continue down a road of saying, well, in my opinion, you don't know what you're doing. In my opinion, you're not qualified. In my opinion, you're not licensed or certified or whatever else. And, and I, you can't argue with somebody's opinion, right? If they think it stinks, it stinks. But the reality is when they're making a decision without the proper input, then their opinion is an unqualified opinion. My opinion of, uh, let's say, databases is almost worthless. I, I do understand the basic premises of databases, but how to build one, how to reconstruct one, how to fix it when it's broken, not my forte. And I can help observe it as a third party. In fact, I have. You can ask guys like Shane Irwin, who built the tax database for Verizon for the barter department, how many times we went back through and I saw errors that had been made in the construction of the database, even though I'm not a database guy. Now that is more in line with the true concept of coaching than it is mentoring, teaching, or training. I'm not a subject matter expert on databases. I don't even pretend to be. But I can spot errors and ask enough questions to cause somebody to go, oh, you know, I know better than that. I messed that up myself. I could have fixed that. So here's what I loved about Christian Simpson's lines of demarcation, if you will. He said, a mentor is someone who's been down the road that you're going down. They know where the pitfalls are, where the mine, landmines are, and they know how to help you walk through them. This is someone who's already been on the journey that you're either on now or you intend to be on. And so a mentor can help you walk down a road that you have not yet traversed because they have and they've done it well or they've done it successfully. A teacher is someone who says, I have information that you need. I'm here to give it to you. Now, the presupposition is that they have information you don't have. They have knowledge, they have education that you don't have. So the teacher is going to give that to you. The trainer says, I have information and knowledge and the skill to impart that to you. I am going to walk you through. And so they're almost the hybrid of the teacher and the mentor. I've been here. I've done that. I'm a subject matter expert. I'm going to show you how I did it. And I'm going to help you to rehearse it until you learn to master it. That's a trainer. The pastor or the counselor, the therapist, basically has the presupposition, there's something wrong with you, whether you admit it or not, and I'm gonna help you to fix it or to find it. I, I see there's something missing or something misunderstood, and I wanna help you fix that. The coach, on the other hand, says, I believe that the best answer you're looking for is already inside you. And my only job is to draw that out of you through a series of curiosity-based questions. Now, there is a model. In fact, there are a couple of different models. If you look at ICF and other training models for coaches, there are different models, paths, where we build rapport, we set up presuppositions, we work through the process in order to draw out the questioning. But there are oftentimes a coach who is asked to be a coach and a trainer and a teacher, depending on the relationship. I have clients who have hired me as a coach, but use me more as a trainer or a mentor. And by that, I mean, I will coach them in certain areas like 
telling their story as an example? How do we draw out the best part of your life into a story format that can be utilized to touch other people? But at the same time that I'm doing that, I'm answering questions from them directly from my own experience in social media, in creating videos, in building rapport, in standing on the stage, in writing a curriculum, in designing a PowerPoint or a direct mail campaign or a funnel. And those are not areas that they even have experience or knowledge in, so trying to draw that knowledge out of them would be near impossible. But the hybrid of that coach and mentor, that coach and trainer, is what most people experience because they hire a coach when they know they have a blind spot. They also hire someone they call a coach to walk them through a process they're unfamiliar with. Sometimes that coach has to be a subject matter expert in that arena. And that I think is where the challenge comes in because people will say, well, a mentor shouldn't charge you money. Well, some mentor relationships, you're not, gonna in, you're not gonna get into that relationship at all until you've made an investment because for them to invest their time in you when they've spent so much time, effort, and dedication of their life to become as successful as they are, for them to set aside family time or business time or networking time or opportunity time to build your life, well, that's, that's an inconclusive investment for them. There's no idea whether that's ever gonna pay off. Now, Simon Sinek made a great point when he talked about the fact that the first person that was a significant mentor in his life was someone that he just began to ask questions of, and the guy was open to answering them. And as this relationship continued to grow, he said one day to the guy, listen, I'm, I'm glad that you're my mentor. And the guy said, and I'm glad that you're mine. And what he meant was, there are things that I'm learning from you that I didn't know before. And that relationship is mutual. Now, there are a lot of places. One of my mentors is a guy by the name of Jim Gardner. Jim Gardner is set in the C-level suite in some of the biggest companies in the world. He has been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years, as well as being a corporate executive. He sits on boards of very large organizations even today. As my mentor, he's older than I am, he's more successful than I am, he's more accomplished than I am, and there are still areas that when we sit down and talk, he has questions on things that I've done successfully that he's never tried to do before. It doesn't mean I'm smarter, doesn't mean I'm more educated, doesn't mean I'm anything other than I've tried things he hasn't tried yet. That is a symbiotic mentoring relationship where we both feed into the relationship and we don't ask for anything in return financially other than I need you to be there when I need you to be there. And so there are times that I give him insights and advice and I've tried something that he hasn't tried yet and he just wants the shortcut. And I give him the shortcut. And there are times that I do exactly the same. I'm like, hey, I want your opinion on this idea. That is a symbiotic mentor relationship. But if I were to go, someone, go to someone like a CEO of a company and say, teach me how to be successfully, uh, successful financially, the first question he's gonna ask is what's in it for me? Either you're gonna pay for my time or you're gonna invest in me in some other way. Sometimes that's what an internship is for. But to say that a mentor is someone who should never get paid because their only job is to pour into you is a selfish, in my opinion, kind of a viewpoint. To assume that a coach can only be a coach if they're a subject matter expert to begin with, well, it might be true if you're talking about an athletic coach, a football coach, a basketball coach, a soccer coach, but the idea of coaching is really based on the original meaning of education, and that is educo, to draw from within. And the idea of coaching says, I believe the answer you're looking for is already in you. For some reason, you're not seeing it. So I'm gonna keep asking you questions until you answer it yourself, and that way the answer 
the knowledge, the wisdom, the awareness, the understanding is yours. It's not something I've given you. It's something I've helped you discover. And that makes it so much more profound. Trust me, when you have a coach who is asking you to believe what you already believe, is asking you to become aware of things that you already know and apply them to the challenges you're facing right now, you'll find that your ownership of the solution is much deeper and much more solid than if someone just gave you an answer and said, here, fix your problem. I, I haven't seen yet someone who's handed a solution free of charge, at no cost, with no sacrifice or price to be paid, with no investment to be paid, who made great use of that solution. In fact, most times that solution falls to the wayside. I have seen people who invest deeply in, whether it's financially, emotionally, or sacrificially of time, sacrificially of energy, who say, I would never have done that had you not poked me, prodded me, and asked me the questions. But now that I've done it, I can't thank you enough. That, my friends, is a strong coaching relationship. That's not a football coach. That's not somebody yelling at you, beating you, making you do something, forcing you to be motivated when you don't want to do it. That's someone who's helping to raise your level of awareness to cause you to say, I see where I've stopped myself before and I'm going to go forward. Now, it is presumed that a coach has a deeper level of awareness and understanding than you do, generally speaking, but that may not necessarily be a subject matter expert. In fact, Christian Simpson, in his laying out of the foundation of what it means to be a coach, talks about some Olympic tennis players who are really having a bad season. And they brought in some people to coach them who knew absolutely nothing about the game, but instead just continued to ask them questions. And in the asking of those questions, they realized, I've messed up my backhand because I've given up the habit of, or I'm no longer practicing this step in my serve. And that's the reason that it's not doing what it's supposed to do. But they were discovering what they already knew from a new level of awareness. And that's what improved their game. I think it's true in most people's lives that hiring a coach isn't about having someone to bash you over the head and tell you what to do. It's not about having somebody who's already figured out everything that you want. That's a trainer. That's an instructor. That's a teacher. That's not necessarily a coach in the truest sense. But having a coach to come alongside you and just ask you, why did you do it that way? Oh, yeah, it gets annoying. Trust me. When somebody just keeps questioning everything you do and every thought you have and every decision you made, you want to punch them in the face sometimes. You sometimes want to look in the mirror and punch yourself in the face and think, I knew that already. Why did I have to pay somebody else to help me to realize it again? But the success that comes behind being challenged in the way you think that's worth the investment. The better you that comes behind being challenged in the way you think. Someone who will genuinely get into your core beliefs and ask you, why do you believe that? Where did you come up with that idea? Has it served you well? What are you going to do with it now? If you had the option to change it, what would you change it to? See, those are the kinds of questions that really get at your soul and they annoy the dickens out of you. And they also bring the transformation you're looking for. When it comes to moving people from where they are to where they want to be, coaches, teachers, pastors, therapists, counselors, trainers, good leaders, they all do that. They all have different methodologies and processes and relationships for doing that. But to, do, to know the difference between the coach that you hire, the mentor that you hire, the teacher or trainer that you hire, 
that's pretty significant. And if the person you're hiring feels like coaching is, let's just sit down over coffee and chat, but they don't understand that there's actually a process to this, then you may get a good coffee chat and you may waste a whole lot of money on somebody who's not trained to do what you need to have done. If you're hiring somebody as a trainer, a teacher, or a mentor to guide you through a process, then they should be a subject matter expert. But a coach doesn't need to be a subject matter expert in where you want to go. They need to be a subject matter expert in coaching. Now, I know this has been a long message, but it's absolutely critical. And let me carry it one step forward for you. If you're a leader in any capacity, if you manage a team, lead a team, guide a team, run a company, I don't care if it's three people or 30,000 people, one of your greatest roles as a leader is to be a coach. And by that, I mean to ask questions that cause people on your team at the first level, the next level, and the bottom level, every level of relationship you have with them to ask them questions that cause them to think, to be more aware, and to do better. To think, to be more aware, and to do better. You don't have to make them do that. If you ask them the questions, in fact, John Maxwell just came out with a new book, Good Leaders or Great Leaders Ask Great Questions. If you're not sure what questions to ask, go to my website and just download the, uh, the training program called 10 Key Elements of Leadership Development or 10 Key Questions of Leadership Development. That will push you through a process of asking yourself the questions and your team the questions that are gonna cause you to grow. Uh, am I focused on self-development? Uh, these are some questions that are really gonna challenge you. But as a leader, you're responsible for coaching your team. The first level people, the next level people, and all the way down the line. If you're not doing that, or you don't understand the process of coaching, then you might be a decent manager, but you may not be a great leader just yet. Doesn't matter how many people are following you, it's not about the position. It's about the effectiveness of leading, which is about influence. I hope this has been beneficial to you. I know some of it has been challenging and some of you will have opinions that are different than mine. I welcome your opinions. I welcome your comments. Please fill them in there and tell me what you think. I'm sure there are other people who would benefit from your ideas as much or even more than they benefit from mine. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I take, appreciate you taking the time to be engaged. Please share your comments, share your thoughts. And if you think this announcement today, this message today, this training today could be beneficial for somebody else, click like, click uh, subscribe, click share, and send it to them. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I believe there's an enormous difference between knowledge and education, between information and education. See, there's a, there's a lot of imparting of wisdom, imparting of knowledge, and even intaking of information that's not exactly education, uh, at least by the meaning of the term education. There's a whole lot of even propaganda and indoctrination and manipulation of understanding that is not education, at least not by the real meaning of the word education. And this leads to the ability to ambiguously use words that have a specific meaning, that have a specific targeted outcome, and yet because they're not used that way, 
the expectation of the outcome is changed. Let me, let me use the word coach. While you're thinking about the word coach, I want you to ask yourself, what is a coach? When do I need one? What would I use them for? And should I be paying them or not? Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five minute videos, five days a week. I saw a Facebook post yesterday and and it caused me to engage my mind back to almost 10 years ago when I got certified as a John Maxwell leadership coach. And one of the things that I learned in that process was in order to be informed, educated, in the know, uh, to have deeper understanding, to have a greater awareness, it takes commitment. It's an investment, not only of your brain cells and your mind and your heart and your time, but generally of finances as well. Because most people who've acquired that level of knowledge, that level of understanding, that level of education, if you will, uh, generally don't waste their time just randomly throwing it out into the crowd for people to choose to use or not. In fact, most people who are engaged in the process of education and training and certifications and licensing and things of that nature, they get paid really well for what they do because they've spent so much time filling their mind, their hearts, and their lives with the understanding, both from a book sense and a practical application sense, of what it is that they're talking about. Now, one of the questions around the concept of coaching comes to the question of, should a coach be free or not? And and here's where the distinction comes in. I think the challenge for a lot of people is that the terms have been used interchangeably between a coach and a life coach, a coach and a professional coach, a coach and a mentor or a therapist or a counselor or a pastor or a teacher. And I honestly have to say, when I went into the concept of coaching as a person to become a coach, one of the things that struck me was that differentiation between the different categories of providing help for someone else to move from where they are to the next place. And the distinction in my moment of awareness, when it came to me that there really is a distinction, it was a huge revelation for me. It was an understanding that I thought I had that I could have told you the difference between these various things. But when Christian Simpson, who is a world-renowned coach, uh, part of the International uh, Coaching Federation from way back when, even before the IFC became its own entity, he was a part of that worldwide group of coaches, uh, from what I understand. Now, he doesn't hold a specific title or certification with them, but he's been coaching longer than that and has been really busy in the world of coaching and seeing success in people's businesses and the change in their lives. So I, I challenge you just to Google Christian Simpson coach and find it. There, he's actually launching a new program at the first of the year that's absolutely free. You can get involved in it. But Christian made a really, really clear uh, line of demarcation between coach, mentor, teacher, pastor, and counselor. And with a single sentence or two, uh, laid out some presuppositions that made a drastic difference for me. Now, before I lay those out for you to the best of my memory, so I'm going to paraphrase them the way that I've adopted them. They may not be exactly the way that Christian teaches it. So if you are a John Maxwell certified coach and you've heard this, feel free to lay out the correction in the comments. And I mean that honestly. 
I'm not looking for somebody to, to lambast me who has their own opinion. I'm talking about other certified coaches, other John Maxwell coaches who've heard Christian say this. If I say it wrong, please correct me and put it in the comments. But before I say that, I want to say this. There are a lot of people who have their own pre-existing conditions and their own mind, their own thoughts, their own this is what I think opinion that has no basis in fact, no basis in education, no basis in actual history or learning, just an opinion. And their opinion alone has been so deeply impressed upon them because it's been reiterated and never challenged that their opinion has become a belief system and that belief system drives them to the way that they understand. And that understanding is based on a false belief system based on a corrupt opinion. And by corrupt, I don't mean that it's necessarily negative or illegal or anything like that. I'll only mean that it's an opinion based without all the facts involved. And that opinion then causes someone to continue down a road of saying, well, in my opinion, you don't know what you're doing. In my opinion, you're not qualified. In my opinion, you're not licensed or certified or whatever else. And, and I, you can't argue with somebody's opinion, right? If they think it stinks, it stinks. But the reality is when they're making a decision without the proper input, then their opinion is an unqualified opinion. My opinion of, uh, let's say, databases is almost worthless. I, I do understand the basic premises of databases, but how to build one, how to reconstruct one, how to fix it when it's broken, not my forte. And I can help observe it as a third party. In fact, I have. You can ask guys like Shane Irwin, who built the tax database for Verizon for the barter department, how many times we went back through and I saw errors that had been made in the construction of the database, even though I'm not a database guy. Now, that is more in line with the true concept of coaching than it is mentoring, teaching, or training. I'm not a subject matter expert on databases. I don't even pretend to be but I can spot errors and ask enough questions to cause somebody to go, oh, you know, I know better than that. I messed that up myself. I could have fixed that. So here's what I loved about Christian Simpson's lines of demarcation, if you will. He said, a mentor is someone who's been down the road that you're going down. They know where the pitfalls are, where the mine, landmines are, and they know how to help you walk through them. This is someone who's already been on the journey that you're either on now or you intend to be on. And so a mentor can help you walk down a road that you have not yet traversed because they have and they've done it well or they've done it successfully. A teacher is someone who says, I have information that you need. I'm here to give it to you. Now, the presupposition is that they have information you don't have. They have knowledge, they have education that you don't have. So the teacher is going to give that to you. The trainer says, I have information and knowledge and the skill to impart that to you. I am going to walk you through. And so they're almost the hybrid of the teacher and the mentor. I've been here. I've done that. I'm a subject matter expert. I'm going to show you how I did it. And I'm going to help you to rehearse it until you learn to master it. That's a trainer. The pastor or the counselor, the therapist, basically has the presupposition, there's something wrong with you, whether you admit it or not, and I'm going to help you to fix it or to find it. I, I see there's something missing or something misunderstood, and I want to help you fix that. The coach, on the other hand, says, I believe that the best answer you're looking for is already inside you. And my only job is to draw that out of you through a series of curiosity-based questions. Now, there is a model. In fact, there are a couple of different models. If you look at ICF and other training models for coaches, 
There are different models, paths, where we build rapport, we set up presuppositions, we work through the process in order to draw out the questioning. But there are oftentimes a coach who is asked to be a coach and a trainer and a teacher, depending on the relationship. I have clients who have hired me as a coach, but use me more as a trainer or a mentor. And by that, I mean, I will coach them in certain areas like telling their story as an example. How do we draw out the best part of your life into a story format that can be utilized to touch other people? But at the same time that I'm doing that, I'm answering questions from them directly from my own experience in social media, in creating videos, in building rapport, in standing on the stage, in writing a curriculum, in designing a PowerPoint or a direct mail campaign or a funnel. And those are not areas that they even have experience or knowledge in, so trying to draw that knowledge out of them would be near impossible. But the hybrid of that coach and mentor, that coach and trainer, is what most people experience because they hire a coach when they know they have a blind spot. They also hire someone they call a coach to walk them through a process they're unfamiliar with. Sometimes that coach has to be a subject matter expert in that arena. And that I think is where the challenge comes in because people will say, well, a mentor shouldn't charge you money. Well, some mentor relationships, you're not going to, you're not going to get into that relationship at all until you've made an investment because for them to invest their time in you when they've spent so much time, effort and dedication of their life to become as successful as they are for them to set aside family time or business time or networking time or opportunity time to build your life. Well, that's, that's an inconclusive investment for them. There's no idea whether that's ever going to pay off. Now, Simon Sinek made a great point when he talked about the fact that the first person that was a significant mentor in his life was someone that he just began to ask questions of, and the guy was open to answering them. And as this relationship continued to grow, he said one day to the guy, listen, I'm, I'm glad that you're my mentor. And the guy said, and I'm glad that you're mine. And what he meant was, there are things that I'm learning from you that I didn't know before. And that relationship is mutual. Now, there are a lot of places. One of my mentors is a guy by the name of Jim Gardner. Jim Gardner is set in the C-level suite in some of the biggest companies in the world. He has been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years, as well as being a corporate executive. He sits on boards of very large organizations even today. As my mentor, he's older than I am. He's more successful than I am. He's more accomplished than I am. And there are still areas that when we sit down and talk, he has questions on things that I've done successfully that he's never tried to do before. It doesn't mean I'm smarter. doesn't mean I'm more educated. doesn't mean I'm anything other than I've tried things he hasn't tried yet. That is a symbiotic mentoring relationship where we both feed into the relationship and we don't ask for anything in return financially other than I need you to be there when I need you to be there. And so there are times that I give him insights and advice and I've tried something that he hasn't tried yet and he just wants the shortcut. And I give him the shortcut. And there are times that I do exactly the same. I'm like, hey, I want your opinion on this idea. That is a symbiotic mentor relationship. But if I were to go, someone, go to someone like a CEO of a company and say, teach me how to be successfully, uh, successful financially, the first question he's gonna ask is what's in it for me? Either you're gonna pay for my time or you're gonna invest in me in some other way. Sometimes that's what an internship is for. But to say that a mentor is someone who should never get paid because their only job is to pour into you is a selfish, in my opinion, kind of a viewpoint. 
To assume that a coach can only be a coach if they're a subject matter expert to begin with, well, it might be true if you're talking about an athletic coach, a football coach, a basketball coach, a soccer coach. But the idea of coaching is really based on the original meaning of education, and that is educo, to draw from within. And the idea of coaching says, I believe the answer you're looking for is already in you. For some reason, you're not seeing it. So I'm going to keep asking you questions until you answer it yourself. And that way the answer, the knowledge, the wisdom, the awareness, the understanding is yours. It's not something I've given you. It's something I've helped you discover. And that makes it so much more profound. Trust me, when you have a coach who is asking you to believe what you already believe, is asking you to become aware of things that you already know and apply them to the challenges you're facing right now, you'll find that your ownership of the solution is much deeper and much more solid than if someone just gave you an answer and said, here, fix your problem. I, I haven't seen yet someone who's handed a solution free of charge, at no cost, with no sacrifice or price to be paid, with no investment to be paid, who made great use of that solution. In fact, most times that solution falls to the wayside. I have seen people who invest deeply in, whether it's financially, emotionally, or sacrificially of time, sacrificially of energy, who say, I would never have done that had you not poked me, prodded me, and asked me the questions. But now that I've done it, I can't thank you enough. That, my friends, is a strong coaching relationship. That's not a football coach. That's not somebody yelling at you, beating you, making you do something, forcing you to be motivated when you don't want to do it. That's someone who's helping to raise your level of awareness to cause you to say, I see where I've stopped myself before and I'm going to go forward. Now, it is presumed that a coach has a deeper level of awareness and understanding than you do, generally speaking, but that may not necessarily be a subject matter expert. In fact, Christian Simpson, in his laying out of the foundation of what it means to be a coach, talks about some Olympic tennis players who are really having a bad season. And they brought in some people to coach them who knew absolutely nothing about the game, but instead just continued to ask them questions. And in the asking of those questions, they realized, I've messed up my backhand because I've given up the habit of, or I'm no longer practicing this step in my serve. And that's the reason that it's not doing what it's supposed to do. But they were discovering what they already knew from a new level of awareness. And that's what improved their game. I think it's true in most people's lives that hiring a coach isn't about having someone to bash you over the head and tell you what to do. It's not about having somebody who's already figured out everything that you want. That's a trainer. That's an instructor. That's a teacher. That's not necessarily a coach in the truest sense. But having a coach to come alongside you and just ask you, why did you do it that way? Oh yeah, it gets annoying, trust me. When somebody just keeps questioning everything you do and every thought you have and every decision you made, you wanna punch them in the face sometimes. You sometimes wanna look in the mirror and punch yourself in the face and think, I knew that already, why did I have to pay somebody else to help me to realize it again? But the success that comes behind, being challenged in the way you think, that's worth the investment. The better you that comes behind being challenged in the way you think. Someone who will genuinely get into your core beliefs and ask you, why do you believe that? Where did you come up with that idea? Has it served you well? What are you going to do with it now? If you had the option to change it, what would you change it to? See, those are the kinds of questions that really get at your soul and they annoy the dickens out of you. And they also bring 
the transformation you're looking for. When it comes to moving people from where they are to where they want to be, coaches, teachers, pastors, therapists, counselors, trainers, good leaders, they all do that. They all have different methodologies and processes and relationships for doing that. But to, do, to know the difference between the coach that you hire, the mentor that you hire, the teacher or trainer that you hire, that's pretty significant. And if the person you're hiring feels like coaching is, let's just sit down over coffee and chat, but they don't understand that there's actually a process to this, then you may get a good coffee chat. And you may waste a whole lot of money on somebody who's not trained to do what you need to have done. If you're hiring somebody as a trainer, a teacher, or a mentor to guide you through a process, then they should be a subject matter expert. But a coach doesn't need to be a subject matter expert in where you want to go. They need to be a subject matter expert in coaching. Now, I know this has been a long message, but it's absolutely critical. And let me carry it one step forward for you. If you're a leader in any capacity, if you manage a team, lead a team, guide a team, run a company, I don't care if it's three people or 30,000 people, one of your greatest roles as a leader is to be a coach. And by that, I mean to ask questions that cause people on your team at the first level, the next level, and the bottom level, every level of relationship you have with them to ask them questions that cause them to think, to be more aware, and to do better. To think, to be more aware, and to do better. You don't have to make them do that. If you ask them the questions, in fact, John Maxwell just came out with a new book, Good Leaders or Great Leaders Ask Great Questions. If you're not sure what questions to ask, go to my website and just download the, uh, the training program called 10 Key Elements of Leadership Development or 10 Key Questions of Leadership Development. That will push you through a process of asking yourself the questions and your team the questions that are going to cause you to grow. Uh, am I focused on self-development? Uh, these are some questions that are really going to challenge you. But as a leader, you're responsible for coaching your team. The first level people, the next level people, and all the way down the line. If you're not doing that, or you don't understand the process of coaching, then you might be a decent manager, but you may not be a great leader just yet. Doesn't matter how many people are following you, it's not about the position. It's about the effectiveness of leading, which is about influence. I hope this has been beneficial to you. I know some of it has been challenging and some of you will have opinions that are different than mine. I welcome your opinions. I welcome your comments. Please fill them in there and tell me what you think. I'm sure there are other people who would benefit from your ideas as much or even more than they benefit from mine. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I take, appreciate you taking the time to be engaged. Please share your comments, share your thoughts. And if you think this announcement today, this message today, this training today could be beneficial for somebody else, click like, click uh, subscribe, click share, and send it to them. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I believe there's an enormous difference between knowledge and education, between information and education. See, there's a, there's a lot of imparting of wisdom, imparting of knowledge, and even intaking of information 
that's not exactly education, uh, at least by the meaning of the term education. There's a whole lot of even propaganda and indoctrination and manipulation of understanding that is not education, at least not by the real meaning of the word education. And this leads to the ability to ambiguously use words that have a specific meaning, that have a specific targeted outcome, and yet because they're not used that way, the expectation of the outcome is changed. Let me, let me use the word coach. While you're thinking about the word coach, I want you to ask yourself, what is a coach? When do I need one? What would I use them for? And should I be paying them or not? Welcome to Leading Leaders Podcast. Five minute videos, five days a week. I saw a Facebook post yesterday and, and it caused me to engage my mind back to almost 10 years ago when I got certified as a John Maxwell leadership coach. And one of the things that I learned in that process was in order to be informed, educated, in the know, uh, to have deeper understanding, to have a greater awareness, it takes commitment. It's an investment, not only of your brain cells and your mind and your heart and your time, but generally of finances as well. Because most people who've acquired that level of knowledge, that level of understanding, that level of education, if you will, uh, generally don't waste their time just randomly throwing it out into the crowd for people to choose to use or not. In fact, most people who are engaged in the process of education and training and certifications and licensing and things of that nature, they get paid really well for what they do because they've spent so much time filling their mind, their hearts, and their lives with the understanding, both from a book sense and a practical application sense, of what it is that they're talking about. Now, one of the questions around the concept of coaching comes to the question of should a coach be free or not? And, and here's where the distinction comes in. I think the challenge for a lot of people is that the terms have been used interchangeably between a coach and a life coach, a coach and a professional coach, a coach and a mentor or a therapist or a counselor or a pastor or a teacher. And I honestly have to say, when I went into the concept of coaching as a person to become a coach, one of the things that struck me was that differentiation between the different categories of providing help for someone else to move from where they are to the next place. And the distinction in my moment of awareness, when it came to me that there really is a distinction, it was a huge revelation for me. It was an understanding that I thought I had that I could have told you the difference between these various things. But when Christian Simpson, who is a world-renowned coach, uh, part of the International uh, Coaching Federation from way back when, even before the IFC became its own entity, he was a part of that worldwide group of coaches, uh, from what I understand. Now, he doesn't hold a specific title or certification with them, but he's been coaching longer than that and has been really busy in the world of coaching and seeing success in people's businesses and the change in their lives. So I, I challenge you just to Google Christian Simpson coach and find it. There, he's actually launching a new program at the first of the year that's absolutely free. You can get involved in it. But Christian made a really, really clear uh, line of demarcation between coach, mentor, teacher, pastor, and counselor. And with a single sentence or two, 
laid out some presuppositions that made a drastic difference for me. Now, before I lay those out for you to the best of my memory, so I'm going to paraphrase them the way that I've adopted them. They may not be exactly the way that Christian teaches it. So if you are a John Maxwell certified coach and you've heard this, feel free to lay out the correction in the comments. And I mean that honestly. I'm not looking for somebody to, to lambast me who has their own opinion. I'm talking about other certified coaches, other John Maxwell coaches who've heard Christian say this. If I say it wrong, please correct me and put it in the comments. But before I say that, I want to say this. There are a lot of people who have their own pre-existing conditions and their own mind, their own thoughts, their own this-is-what-I-think opinion that has no basis in facts, no basis in education, no basis in actual history or learning, just an opinion. And their opinion alone has been so deeply impressed upon them because it's been reiterated and never challenged that their opinion has become a belief system and that belief system drives them to the way that they understand. And that understanding is based on a false belief system based on a, a corrupt opinion. And by corrupt, I don't mean that it's necessarily negative or illegal or anything like that. I only mean that it's an opinion based without all the facts involved. And that opinion then causes someone to continue down a road of saying, well, in my opinion, you don't know what you're doing. In my opinion, you're not qualified. In my opinion, you're not licensed or certified or whatever else. And, and I, you can't argue with somebody's opinion, right? If they think it stinks, it stinks. But the reality is when they're making a decision without the proper input, then their opinion is an unqualified opinion. My opinion of, uh, let's say, databases is almost worthless. I, I do understand the basic premises of databases, but how to build one, how to reconstruct one, how to fix it when it's broken, not my forte. And I can help observe it as a third party. In fact, I have. You can ask guys like Shane Irwin, who built the tax database for Verizon for the barter department, how many times we went back through and I saw errors that had been made in the construction of the database, even though I'm not a database guy. Now that is more in line with the true concept of coaching than it is mentoring, teaching, or training. I'm not a subject matter expert on databases. I don't even pretend to be. But I can spot errors and ask enough questions to cause somebody to go, oh, you know, I know better than that. I messed that up myself. I could have fixed that. So here's what I loved about Christian Simpson's lines of demarcation, if you will. He said, a mentor is someone who's been down the road that you're going down, they know where the pitfalls are, where the mine, landmines are, and they know how to help you walk through them. This is someone who's already been on the journey that you're either on now or you intend to be on. And so a mentor can help you walk down a road that you have not yet traversed because they have and they've done it well or they've done it successfully. A teacher is someone who says, I have information that you need. I'm here to give it to you. Now, the presupposition is that they have information you don't have. They have knowledge, they have education that you don't have. So the teacher is going to give that to you. The trainer says, I have information and knowledge and the skill to impart that to you. I am going to walk you through. And so they're almost the hybrid of the teacher and the mentor. I've been here. I've done that. I'm a subject matter expert. I'm going to show you how I did it. And I'm going to help you to rehearse it until you learn to master it. That's a trainer. The pastor or the counselor, the therapist, basically has the presupposition 
there's something wrong with you, whether you admit it or not, and I'm going to help you to fix it or to find it. I, I see there's something missing or something misunderstood, and I want to help you fix that. The coach, on the other hand, says, I believe that the best answer you're looking for is already inside you. And my only job is to draw that out of you through a series of curiosity-based questions. Now, there is a model. In fact, there are a couple of different models. If you look at ICF and other training models for coaches, there are different models, paths, where we build rapport, we set up presuppositions, we work through the process in order to draw out the questioning. But there are oftentimes a coach who is asked to be a coach and a trainer and a teacher, depending on the relationship. I have clients who have hired me as a coach, but use me more as a trainer or a mentor. And by that, I mean, I will coach them in certain areas, like telling their story as an example. How do we draw out the best part of your life into a story format that can be utilized to touch other people? But at the same time that I'm doing that, I'm answering questions from them directly from my own experience in social media, in creating videos, in building rapport, in standing on the stage, in writing a curriculum, in designing a PowerPoint or a direct mail campaign or a funnel. And those are not areas that they even have experience or knowledge in, so trying to draw that knowledge out of them would be near impossible. But the hybrid of that coach and mentor, that coach and trainer, is what most people experience because they hire a coach when they know they have a blind spot. They also hire someone they call a coach to walk them through a process they're unfamiliar with. Sometimes that coach has to be a subject matter expert in that arena. And that I think is where the challenge comes in because people will say, well, a mentor shouldn't charge you money. Well, some mentor relationships, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna get into that relationship at all until you've made an investment because for them to invest their time in you when they've spent so much time, effort, and dedication of their life to become as successful as they are, for them to set aside family time or business time or networking time or opportunity time to build your life, well, that's, that's an inconclusive investment for them. There's no idea whether that's ever gonna pay off. Now, Simon Sinek made a great point when he talked about the fact that the first person that was a significant mentor in his life was someone that he just began to ask questions of, and the guy was open to answering them. And as this relationship continued to grow, he said one day to the guy, listen, I'm, I'm glad that you're my mentor. And the guy said, and I'm glad that you're mine. And what he meant was, there are things that I'm learning from you that I didn't know before. And that relationship is mutual. Now, there are a lot of places. One of my mentors is a guy by the name of Jim Gardner. Jim Gardner is set in the C-level suite in some of the biggest companies in the world. He has been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years, as well as being a corporate executive. He sits on boards of very large organizations even today. As my mentor, he's older than I am, he's more successful than I am, he's more accomplished than I am, and there are still areas that when we sit down and talk, he has questions on things that I've done successfully that he's never tried to do before. It doesn't mean I'm smarter, doesn't mean I'm more educated, doesn't mean I'm anything other than I've tried things he hasn't tried yet. That is a symbiotic mentoring relationship where we both feed into the relationship and we don't ask for anything in return financially other than I need you to be there when I need you to be there. And so there are times that I give him insights and advice and I've tried something that he hasn't tried yet and he just wants the shortcut. And I give him the shortcut. And there are times that I do exactly the same. I'm like, hey, I want your opinion on this idea. 
that is a symbiotic mentor relationship. But if I were to go, someone, go to someone like a CEO of a company and say, teach me how to be successfully, uh, successful financially, the first question he's gonna ask is what's in it for me? Either you're gonna pay for my time or you're gonna invest in me in some other way. Sometimes that's what an internship is for. But to say that a mentor is someone who should never get paid because their only job is to pour into you is a selfish, in my opinion, kind of a viewpoint. To assume that a coach can only be a coach if they're a subject matter expert to begin with, well, it might be true if you're talking about an athletic coach, a football coach, a basketball coach, a soccer coach, but the idea of coaching is really based on the original meaning of education, and that is educo, to draw from within. And the idea of coaching says, I believe the answer you're looking for is already in you. For some reason, you're not seeing it. So I'm gonna keep asking you questions until you answer it yourself, and that way the answer the knowledge, the wisdom, the awareness, the understanding is yours. It's not something I've given you. It's something I've helped you discover. And that makes it so much more profound. Trust me, when you have a coach who is asking you to believe what you already believe, is asking you to become aware of things that you already know and apply them to the challenges you're facing right now, you'll find that your ownership of the solution is much deeper and much more solid than if someone just gave you an answer and said, here, fix your problem. I, I haven't seen yet someone who's handed a solution free of charge, at no cost, with no sacrifice or price to be paid, with no investment to be paid, who made great use of that solution. In fact, most times that solution falls to the wayside. I have seen people who invest deeply in, whether it's financially, emotionally, or sacrificially of time, sacrificially of energy, who say, I would never have done that had you not poked me, prodded me, and asked me the questions. But now that I've done it, I can't thank you enough. That, my friends, is a strong coaching relationship. That's not a football coach. That's not somebody yelling at you, beating you, making you do something, forcing you to be motivated when you don't want to do it. That's someone who's helping to raise your level of awareness to cause you to say, I see where I've stopped myself before and I'm going to go forward. Now, it is presumed that a coach has a deeper level of awareness and understanding than you do, generally speaking, but that may not necessarily be a subject matter expert. In fact, Christian Simpson, in his laying out of the foundation of what it means to be a coach, talks about some Olympic tennis players who are really having a bad season. And they brought in some people to coach them who knew absolutely nothing about the game, but instead just continued to ask them questions. And in the asking of those questions, they realized, I've messed up my backhand because I've given up the habit of, or I'm no longer practicing this step in my serve. And that's the reason that it's not doing what it's supposed to do. But they were discovering what they already knew from a new level of awareness. And that's what improved their game. I think it's true in most people's lives that hiring a coach isn't about having someone to bash you over the head and tell you what to do. It's not about having somebody who's already figured out everything that you want. That's a trainer. That's an instructor. That's a teacher. That's not necessarily a coach in the truest sense. But having a coach to come alongside you and just ask you, why did you do it that way? Oh yeah, it gets annoying, trust me. When somebody just keeps questioning everything you do and every thought you have and every decision you made, you wanna punch them in the face sometimes. You sometimes wanna look in the mirror and punch yourself in the face and think, I knew that already, why did I have to pay somebody else to help me to realize it again? But the success that comes behind 
being challenged in the way you think, that's worth the investment. The better you that comes behind being challenged in the way you think. Someone who will genuinely get into your core beliefs and ask you, why do you believe that? Where did you come up with that idea? Has it served you well? What are you going to do with it now? If you had the option to change it, what would you change it to? See, those are the kinds of questions that really get at your soul and they annoy the dickens out of you. And they also bring the transformation you're looking for. When it comes to moving people from where they are to where they want to be, coaches, teachers, pastors, therapists, counselors, trainers, good leaders, they all do that. They all have different methodologies and processes and relationships for doing that. But to, do, to know the difference between the coach that you hire, the mentor that you hire, the teacher or trainer that you hire, that's pretty significant. And if the person you're hiring feels like coaching is, let's just sit down over coffee and chat, but they don't understand that there's actually a process to this, then you may get a good coffee chat. And you may waste a whole lot of money on somebody who's not trained to do what you need to have done. If you're hiring somebody as a trainer, a teacher, or a mentor to guide you through a process, then they should be a subject matter expert. But a coach doesn't need to be a subject matter expert in where you want to go. They need to be a subject matter expert in coaching. Now, I know this has been a long message, but it's absolutely critical. And let me carry it one step forward for you. If you're a leader in any capacity, if you manage a team, lead a team, guide a team, run a company, I don't care if it's three people or 30,000 people, one of your greatest roles as a leader is to be a coach. And by that, I mean to ask questions that cause people on your team at the first level, the next level, and the bottom level, every level of relationship you have with them to ask them questions that cause them to think, to be more aware, and to do better. To think, to be more aware, and to do better. You don't have to make them do that. If you ask them the questions, in fact, John Maxwell just came out with a new book, Good Leaders or Great Leaders Ask Great Questions. If you're not sure what questions to ask, go to my website and just download the, uh, the training program called 10 Key Elements of Leadership Development or 10 Key Questions of Leadership Development. That will push you through a process of asking yourself the questions and your team the questions that are going to cause you to grow. Uh, am I focused on self-development? Uh, these are some questions that are really going to challenge you. But as a leader, you're responsible for coaching your team. The first level people, the next level people, and all the way down the line. If you're not doing that, or you don't understand the process of coaching, then you might be a decent manager, but you may not be a great leader just yet. Doesn't matter how many people follow you, it's not about the position. It's about the effectiveness of leading, which is about influence. I hope this has been beneficial to you. I know some of it has been challenging and some of you will have opinions that are different than mine. I welcome your opinions. I welcome your comments. Please fill them in there and tell me what you think. I'm sure there are other people who would benefit from your ideas as much or even more than they benefit from mine. But I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I take, appreciate you taking the time to be engaged. Please share your comments, share your thoughts. And if you think this announcement today, this message today, this training today could be beneficial for somebody else, click like, click uh, subscribe, click share, and send it to them. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.